everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Therapy on Tuesday night. What the hell's wrong with us? We can't even get our days straight, Todd. Well, we get our days straight, but you know, we uh, all those federal holidays and stuff on Mondays, you know, that really kind of throws you off when you got a Monday night show. So, yeah. I had to. But, you uh, know, I, I'm not sure I could have made it last night, though. You know, we're in a state of emergency. Why are you in the state of emergency? Well, the governor governor proclaimed a state emergency of emergency because of all the snow and the wind, and you know the 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 roads are all plugged up. And gosh, I'm on the phone today with superintendents from all over the state. And are you in school? No, we're not. We're two hours. It just it's just it's just um, apocalyptic. Apocalyptic in the plains with snow it's and apocalyptic? wind. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. This is just the beginning of what 2024 has in store for us. Well, yeah, yeah, a hell of a way to start, isn't it? Holy moly, yeah. Well, up here you in betcha. Minnesota, it's finally gotten below zero, and it's actually been winter, and I actually damn cold to go outside. And by the way, <laughs> I posted earlier on here, I'm going to post it again. I'm going to post it in the chat. That is my that is my donation uh URL registration thing for doing another polar plunge this year. And I got to be honest, I don't know what the hell we're going to do because uh, there's no lakes frozen over, man. Are you kidding me? No, it's, it's been so there's no lakes frozen over. I mean, maybe way up North, they might have 12 inches of ice, but that's 12 inches of ice is not a lot of ice. And no, down here not, in the cities, there's not. So I imagine they're going to have us like run in from the shore. Instead how of like missed, how have you missed this polar vortex that is is settled in and and paralyzing us down here? I we missed it because I'm hot, Todd. <laughs> I'll drink to that. My shiner cheer for the night. Holy shit! You're oh God! Hey, look, look. Uh, Linda Williams says, "Good evening, John and Todd. Good to see you, Linda." Uh, David Manny says, good evening. Aaron Keene says, is it John Hefner with us? Robin all you're damn straight. It is. Uh, he's is hot. Margo That's because he's hot. <laughs> is uh tiger shark dry diver is, or is Margo Robbie joining the show today? No, but the guy, you know, maybe we should ask. Yeah, maybe, you know. That would be a notch on our bedpost if we could get her to join our show. Uh, let's see. Uh, there you go. Fred Sacco starts in early with our former head coach was all about the big plunge. A oh, big plunge for the University of Arizona. He's a contender. He's a contender. He's on the list, John. On the list. I thought. I thought. I thought Chubba Purdy went to San Jose State and his coach went to Arizona. Or is that Arizona right. State? No, you're right. He did. He did. Okay. Coaches, you know what? Before we get into Nebraska stuff, Todd, I had a revelation today. It was in my little brain, and we just fired off some sparks in my brain with all these coach hirings and firings. The NFL's firing everybody. Everybody's getting fired and hired. You know who isn't getting hired, Todd? Who isn't getting hired? Who isn't getting hired? 
Well, we know that uh, the Golden Boy hasn't gotten hired, but we've already Go talked. Ahead. Is there some? Is there someone else I should be thinking about that's not getting? Yes, hired? yes. Give me. I want one hint. He's gonna suck no matter what he gets hired to do. That could be me. <laughs> Iowa's offensive coordinator has had like what <laughs> two months. <laughs> I, yeah. what has it been? It's, and I had a revelation about this, Todd. They, they, nobody is going to take this job because nobody wants their career to end. Well, Paul Chris, it, it supposedly, sounds like Paul Chris turned it down, right? Paul Chris yeah, turned it down. Yeah. That's because Paul Chris doesn't want his career to end. And you know what that means to me? That means that really here's what happened. It wasn't the fact that Bryant Ferentz was a shitty offensive coordinator. It was that his dad is so much of an overload, he told him what to run, and what he was running was shit anyway, and it was never going to be successful, not because of Bryant, but because of Kirk. Nobody else wants that job because they know that they're never going to get another job after that, moving up the ladder. That's why they can't hire anybody. It's either that or, listen, we hired a quarterback's coach today, Glenn Thomas. And you could look at it and go, well, Glenn Thomas coached with uh, Matt Rule over there at Temple, and he's hiring his buddies. You could take that as a perspective. And if you took that as a perspective, you would have to say that Kirk doesn't have any friends. <laughs> well, Kirk's got friends, but apparently he doesn't have any friends that want to run that kind of an offense anymore. That's just it. He can't hire anybody because nobody wants to go there and deal with that shit. That's my conclusion. That's my big thought. That's just a, a little worm popping off in my head. Well, I think <laughs> another thing you have to look at is, and, and you know, here we're talking, we're talking smack about a program that, you know, won 10 games this year. Um, True. But by the same token, they, you know, the, the offense was, was pathetic. I mean, just absolutely pathetic. You have to question, though, what does an offensive coordinator, if they're looking at Iowa, what do they see in terms of talent level and what do they see, uh, you know, for depth in their in their uh, skill positions? You know, they don't have a quarterback. There's not there is not a guy that can right. play quarterback at the University of Iowa. They got a big a couple of big brutes that, you know, kind of look like Ben Roethlisberger, but don't ever confuse them with being, you know, a quarterback. So, you know, I understand. I mean, Kirk Ferentz, if the, you just can't flip an offense, you could, you could, if you were willing to get into the portal, yeah. you could, if you were, you know, had a little bit of foresight in your recruiting, but that's not the, no. the Captain Kirk way. That's, that's not the I way he's going to go forward. I just think that's amazing. Chubba Purdy committed to San Jose State, and the day after he committed, uh, his coach went to Arizona. Did I yeah. say that already? You you mentioned just, it, but I think it's worth talking about a little bit. That's just amazing. That poor guy. I mean, I, I realize he's not like he's injured or anything, but that kind of sucks for him. And then, listen, I think what really just should drive everybody home about that is the fact that we all bitch at uh, these younger guys about the fact that, oh, gosh, you know, they need to have loyalty and they need to make commitments. You show up, you commit to a program the day later your coach leaves. 
who was the other guy that went to from Arizona to where? To fit the Arizona play. coach Fritch what? went up to uh, Washington. Washington, yeah. and his his goodbye speech was all of three minutes, and the players were upset. I mean, I think if you're gonna you know leave a bunch of people, you probably owe them more than three minutes. I mean, either have some balls or do, don't do this shit. You know, I guess well, unless you're Bobby you know, Petrino. The, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. But you know, quite honestly, the last five days, last week, maybe. Well, what, ever since Saban, since Saban announced that he is retiring, um, there is no better example of a of you know a, a double standard uh, in the way things used to be. Because you know, just just like dominoes falling, we've had head coaches. You know, Washington goes to Alabama. Arizona goes to Washington. Um, you know, uh, San Jose State goes to Arizona. I mean, you know, boom, 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 boom. And when those coaches can leave without, basically without any repercussion, you know, who have been recruiting players to come and play for them. And don't give me this crap that players make commitments because of the institution. Players commit to schools because of the coaches, the coaches. And, you know, yeah, Chubba Purdy, San Jose State, you know, it's a nice place for him to be. He's a hop, skip, and a jump from where his brother Brock is playing. Um, it makes makes life easier for mom and dad, you know, they, you know yeah. to go watch him play. I mean, you know, he could, he could have gone to Cal. Not that I think Cal would be a better place than San Jose State from a football perspective. But, you know, he had some options out there, and lo and behold, yeah. boom, the, the, the head coach is gone. Well, now because his head coach is gone, he gets to, he gets to go back in the portal if he wants to. For if he wants days. to, yeah. <laughs> okay, James Boardman says, boom, donation done, done. Good luck, John. Thank you, James. Uh, that's for me to jump in freezing cold water and see if I can kill myself against this year. I did inform the people that I'm going with that I will not do another polar plunge at four degrees. And it looks like it's going to be like 20 or 30 degrees this time when we do it. So it's going to be, it's going to be kind of weird. Uh, your mama's daddy says any news on all the assistants that were let go seems strange, but maybe just strategy. And uh, then uh, let's Paul, talk about Paul, that real quick. Go ahead. Okay, Paul Koch says, I see I see that we let our high school walk-on liaisons go. I wonder what that's all about. Here, okay. Here's the deal. Those, talk those are analyst jobs. And for the right. most part, those jobs are going to be short-term. The people that fill those jobs, very few of them um, are, are there to do that job. They have aspirations of being an on-field coach. Now, maybe – Maybe Coach Rule let him go. We don't know what kind of conversations took place. Did they did they leave of their own volition, or were their contracts not renewed? I wouldn't worry about it. What yeah. what what we're going to see in this new model, new fangled college football corporation that uh, multi level <laughs> multi level business that is what college football is today is we're going to see a lot of movement of those people that are behind the scenes. And um, it's, it's, you know, my goodness, look at some of the resumes from some of these assistant coaches. You know, if, if they've been in the game 20 years, they've been probably 15 different schools. It's just insane how much movement there is. I wouldn't worry about 
I wouldn't worry about that. I, I don't think there's any any concern about them leaving. Yeah, I guess uh, let's see. Glenn Thomas, 2005 through 2007, Midwestern State, 2016, Temple, 2017, Baylor to 2019 after Baylor, UNLV. Uh, yeah, I, that's a guy that moved around a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, get, I get that he left Temple and went to Baylor probably with Matt Rule. That's our new quarterbacks coach. I mean, Matt Rule isn't our new quarterbacks coach. Glenn Thomas I'm talking about. But – you know, I think there's a lot more mobility, and I don't think it's anything to be really freaked out about. If your offensive coordinators are leaving year after year, I think you should be worried. But well, you know, uh, here he is, though. We do talk about movement, and if you're not careful, you know, you never know what might happen. Tiger Shark Diver says John was got, gone last week. I thought he took the Alabama job. There well, were rumors. I, there were rumors yeah. that John was in the mix. Uh, so what what shook out there, John? Well, they, you know, I wasn't enough money to put up with them sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm old and crusty and I, I don't tolerate, you know, I don't abide things as much as I used to. And they just wasn't going to give me the 12 million I asked for with the, you know, you know, my own private jet to go wherever I want on the weekend. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Linda Wilkins throws in, you want to talk about loyalty, let's talk about Allie Batenhorst being pushed out after helping take the volleyball team to the finals for the chick from Minnesota. Um, is, is well, that true? Linda always seems to have a good handle on what's going on with volleyball. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I don't know that you have to be, you know, a, a, a volleyball expert to kind of see the fact that the the – Young lady from Minnesota, you know, she commits to Nebraska. She's coming and plays right. the same position as Allie Batenhorst. And two or three weeks later, Allie Batenhorst enters into the portal. And, you know, uh, I, you know, Andy, Andy talked quite a bit about this last week. And, you know, his opinion is, you know, this is, this is big girl athletics. This is big boy athletics. This isn't, you know, um, uh, high it's school, not where, yeah, yeah, and and if John Cook has an opportunity to bring in a player that he thinks uh, will improve the overall performance of the team, and and you know, always remember it's about you know volleyball, like most, is a team sport, and it's it's improving the overall performance of the team. And if he thinks the young lady that came from Minnesota is is going to do that, um, then one of those hitters had to go. And while Allie Batenhorst played very well down the stretch and was a loyal player, and, and you know, she bleeds. She bleeds Husker Red. I mean, you know, she came up from Texas. She has family in the Omaha area. Um, she was all about Nebraska. And you could tell in the video that she produced when she announced she was going to a portal – you could tell it hurt her to leave. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Linda, you got a point about loyalty. Um, I, it doesn't exist. It really doesn't. It, it, it's just, no. Not I'll to tell the extent you real, it wants to I will tell you a real short story. No, I shouldn't. I used to do this to Roger and Tony all the time when we were going to bed when I was a freshman in the dorms. No, I'll tell you. No, I won't. And then they get pissed off, and then they go, you son of a bitch, just tell us the story. Okay. Uh, what's next? 
Um, M. Gaboski asks, "Hey John, did you how did you celebrate Michigan's natty?" Well, I'll tell you what. After they after the game was over, my son and I, my rotten son and I, watched them accept the trophies and shit. And I never do that. I don't even do that with Nebraska stuff. Typically, I just turn off the TV and go, "All right, that was it." So I guess that was that was how I celebrated it. And then I turned to my rotten son and I said, do you think this comes with an asterisk? And then we had that long conversation about what's going to happen to Michigan next. Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Chargers. Is he going to stay at Michigan? I'm saying I think 80% chance no. Uh, that's it. You know, I but I, you know, congratulations to you guys at Michigan. Uh, we'll see what happens with you guys going forward, you know. Cheaters. <laughs> i'm getting i'm getting older and being the diplomat and todd's the one that's all like get off my lawn you son of a bitch uh, <laughs> let's see andy harris asks how many national championships does iowa have besides in wrestling i i think <laughs> I, I i i'm not 100 percent on this i they might they might have a field hockey national championship, really? women's field hockey. They might. They might. Um, but I've been trying to run it through my head. I don't know that Iowa has a national championship besides wrestling. Um, if they did, I mean, I know they – well, obviously they've – 1958. For? Football. For football? I guess. Huh. I think, you know what, that sounds like one of those championships where they go back and they go, oh, we did all the math and we give eight different teams a national title. Yeah. Todd, why did we lose to why did we lose to Iowa in wrestling? Because they have better wrestlers than Nebraska right now. And I think that uh I think Nebraska was uh ranked a little too high by that one uh ranking service uh you know there's there's basically three organizations that rank wrestling teams and they rank them for both dual and tournaments and um so i, I think nebraska was a little bit overranked um i i you know i made a prediction i put it out on coordination you know in the chat ahead of time and i i came pretty damn close i knew that nebraska was going to lose the first three matches um and you know when you look at the way it all played out uh, Nebraska's best three wrestlers all got beat. They all got beat. And two of them, two of them got beat by guys that were ranked lower than them. So, um, you know, when that happens, you're not going to win very many, many dual meets. Right now, I think some of Nebraska's better wrestlers, they are not mentally uh, where they need to be. And uh, there could be a multitude of reasons for that. Um, but shoot, Peyton Robb, um, you know, he's, he lost, he's lost his last two matches, giving up a takedown late in the third right. period. Oh my and God. I watched that. It was like 30 seconds left. Painful. He was ahead. Yep. It was just yep. like, and then, and then I thought, Oh God, it's me. And I turned it off. Yeah. And, and no, then I watched the basketball thing, game. <laughs> same thing happened as, as the meet before with, with you and I, same thing happened. Uh, Brock Hardy, you know, he got beat by the best wrestler in the weight class. But Silas Aldred got beat by a kid that uh, is actually a senior who finally made Iowa's lineup. So, 
Um, no, Iowa's a better wrestling team. Polar Bear got beat. He got taken down uh, towards the end of the third period. Uh, got beat by a kid named Bradley Hill, who uh, I think was maybe eleven and three. I honestly thought uh, I honestly thought Hutmacher had a chance to beat Hill. I, I thought he could. Um, and but here's what everybody forgets. And and you, I don't care that Nash Hutmacher was a four-time state champion. That he was 169 and 0. That he finished his high school career with 73 wins. There is a significant difference between wrestling at the high school level and wrestling at the Division I level in college. It is huge. It is massive. And throwing the fact that Hutmacher had not wrestled a competitive match since his senior year in high school, um, yeah. you know, he, he would nowhere close, nowhere close to being at the same level as Big Ten heavyweights. If, if he – if Hutmacher continues to wrestle throughout um, the Big Ten season against Big Ten competition, he may get some wins. He may. But it would not shock me if he doesn't. And it's not because he's not a good wrestler. It's just the caliber at Division One is significantly better than it was when he last wrestled. Uh, it was his ask, first was loss. That his first loss? Yeah. 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 First loss. His first first loss since, since he was in eighth school. grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched the basketball game after that. They came out flat as hell with no energy. And they, I think at one point they were down like 19 to four or 20 to four or something. You know, here's, here's what to expect out of the basketball team. Expect them to win their home games. I mean, they knocked off number one Purdue for the first time, and they knocked off a number one team. And since I was in college, for God's sakes, and I'm old. But on the road, we're not going to win. Well, number one, winning in the Big Ten is very hard. I've said this repeatedly. But they're if they expect to have anything happen on the road, they're going to have to bring their own juice. You can tell that when they play at PBA, they love the crowd. The crowd loves them. But when they go on the road, they don't have the crowd on their side. And they need to fucking figure out how they're going to make their own juice. You know, I love Casey Tominaga, but that guy needs to figure out what he's going to do on the road other than constantly look at the refs like he's, you know, begging for shit. But that's the biggest problem with the basketball team right now. I think that they have... They have the potential to be a very, very good team, but they got to figure it out on the road to not be embarrassed and maybe pick up a win or two on the road. I mean, we had a chance at Minnesota. What they do? They came out in the second half and they didn't play, and they lost it like a seventeen-point lead, and that was a road win they could have had. So, you know, I still expect good things from men's basketball, but they, again, they got to figure it out on the road. Hey, okay. John, let me, I got to pop back in here. Nick Byer brings okay. up a really good point. And, Nick, you're right. I blew it. Three best wrestlers got beat. Well, Ridge Lovett won, and he did. Ridge Lovett, he is the highest-ranked Nebraska wrestler. He is uh, – yeah, you would say that he is probably um, the best wrestler that, that Nebraska has. And I was mistaken. I've got to show this one real quick. Van, Van D beat the number seven-ranked wrestler at uh, – 133 pounds. That's corrected. I stand corrected on that. I forgot all about that when um, Van D had wrestled him tough over at the Soldier Salute tournament. So wasn't really surprised. Uh, Brody Teske 
you talk to Iowa wrestling fans, Brody, you know, he's, he's one of those frustrating guys that you never know is going to show up. So I stand corrected. Thanks for striking me out there, Nick. I kind of had some brain farts there. So, okay, go ahead. John. Aaron, Aaron Queen Keen asked the bigger question is why the hell can we not beat Iowa and anything? Well, volleyball. We, co we covered that. We beat them in volleyball and uh, baseball season's coming up. Softball's coming up. We smush. They suck at volleyball. So uh, you just said that. Hey, maybe we could knock them off in women's basketball. That'd be kind of number. That, they're oh, number that would two be a huge right one. now. You know, uh, I was, I was got, I was got a good thing going over there, and you know they, they, uh, they, they I don't know. Um, it's been a long time. I, I had opportunity to meet some of the administration at Iowa. It's been, I don't know, fifteen years ago. Spent quite a bit of time over there talking with some of those people and. You know, I, I don't think they're any different than Nebraska, but, you know, right now they – here's what Iowa has. Iowa has stability. Iowa has stability with their coaching staffs. Um, Lisa Bluter's been there a long time. Whiny Fran, crybaby Fran, he's been there a long time. Um, he and has. his wife's been there a long time. He's and, now the winningest coach in men's basketball at Iowa, I believe. Yeah, well, he we also, should get back to let's get into Nebraska football. There you go. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, many, many comes in. Hi, many, and says Polynesian Bull this Friday on NFL Channel. Ryola. I'm going to have to get new used to this name. Is it Ray or it's Ryola? Is Ryola? Ryola. Ryola and Carter Nelson playing. So there's that to look forward to. Uh, Corby Cobus says potential talking point. Dylan makes waves that Polynesian Bull 72 yard bomb was cool, as well stating he wants to make Nebraska powerhouse again. Just hope he has what it takes. Oh, God, don't we all? And then we have to move on to this one, Todd. David Matney says, What if DR Dylan Riola? does not live up to the height. He has yet to play a single down. Is anyone else concerned about this or is this a reflex reaction to the hype of Scott Frost? I said his name. Okay, Todd, what do you want to say? You can go first. Yes. 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 You're concerned about this? And yes. And the third one would be, I don't give a shit about the golden boy. I didn't like him from the start. So, Yes, I am concerned. <laughs> Why are you concerned? He's a freshman. And Andy went on a, he went on a, a, you know, he was preaching from the pulpit last week about how he's different than other freshmen and how when you look at his tape and when you, you know, he's something else and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But he's still a freshman and he hasn't played a snap at the Division One level. I am concerned about that. My concern is that we did we've done this every year. We do this off-season hype stuff every year. We drink the Kool-Aid and it I I'm honestly kind of exhausted with it. And the problem with doing this and doing a show is that we get labeled as negative and you know we get labeled as people that are bringing people down and I I just honestly I have been avoiding Twitter because I can't stand I, I, I cannot stand the just constant hype stuff. Oh, my God, we're going to be so great stuff. It's just – could we just calm it down? We have the men's basketball team to watch. We have wrestling. That's why that's why Corn Nation 
where I am making a concentrated effort as much as possible for us to cover as many other sports as possible. Because, you know, I, I get that everybody loves football and wants football coverage, but I cannot do that all the time. Uh, we have baseball. So I'm looking forward to baseball season. I'm looking forward to how the men's basketball season starts. And then we have a whole like June, July, August to talk about football. It's not like we're going to avoid the subject, but whew. Okay. Sacco says, I'm still concerned about Raiola, all the huddle highlights and everything. Sorry, still got to see if he fits the scheme, if we coach him up and how he responds. I couldn't have said it any better than that, Fred. And, you know, it, I have I have had concerns anytime Nebraska has not had experience returning at quarterback. And to to put and Linda had mentioned it in the chat too, to to put all the weight on the shoulders of a of an 18-year-old kid. Um, yeah. you know, to to be everything that everyone says he is. That just uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I hope he does well. I really do. Highlander Gun comes in with some heavy topic subject. Did anyone other than me see the Lady Huskers basketball team eating Vegemite on YouTube? I did not see. Have you ever had Vegemite? Oh, God, one time. It was the god-awfulest taste and stuff I've ever had in my life. This friend, this family that I, you know, my hometown where I grew up had an Australian exchange student stay with him. And he had me, it was a great kid. He had me have Vegemite and Jesus, it was just, I was like, you couldn't get it. I had three beers and it was still there. This horrid taste in my mouth. Uh, I And then John, the Australian kid goes, yeah, it's kind of a learned habit or whatever that phrase is, you know, God. Tasted to me okay. like tasty bullion. Oh my God. It was. Oh, look at this. Many takes a shot. All these realists need to drink some more Rule-Aid. Oh my God. What, you, there, we can't drink Rule-Aid for six. You can. That's why you're with us because we need somebody like that. I can't do that. And then Fred's like John's coffee corn candles smell of disdain and sadness. <laughs> I have ha I have very much hope for men's basketball and uh, with a hint of crusty. So these people, they're they are uh, they're ganging up. They're cahootsing against me. They're cahootsing. Cahootsing. Goddamn. You know my family cahoots a lot against me. That's what they do. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Linda Wilkin goes. John, you drank beer in high school, really? Well, just a little. <laughs> Only if it was available, pretty much. That's why I used up my quota, you know, and had to quit about three drinks ago. Okay. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, well, did you did did you watch any NFL football, John? I did. did I, you, you know what? There is football still going on. It is the NFL, and quite frankly, I think the NFL product is better than it's ever been. I do too, but I <laughs> I need to go back and have somebody give me some tutorials on offensive fundamental scheme. It, it, 
I, you know, it used to be easy. And, and one of the reasons I loved college football <laughs> and still do, you ran out of the wishbone, you ran out of the eye, you ran out of a split backfield. And, you know, you had an offense that had, oh, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, an identity. <laughs> and it was easy to understand it and see how it all fit together. From a scheme standpoint, I mean, I hear people talking about Nebraska. Nebraska's offense, they want it to look like San Francisco's, the 49ers offense. Well, I can't tell the difference between the 49ers offense and the Baltimore Ravens offense other than the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, runs it all the time. I mean – I I have lost my ability to discern what the differences are to see patterns and themes. And maybe there aren't. Maybe I'm just looking for something that's not there. Well, let me make the most esoteric, bizarre comparison that I could possibly come up with in my old, crusty mind. If you go out and you listen to every great – by the way, younger people don't have any good musicians, I don't think, to follow. You know, there's no guitarist. But when you look oh, at Oh, I saw like, this dude today. Incredible. Some Italian guy plays with his three fingers over here like amazing. Amazing. Mateo somebody. Oh, my God, was he amazing. Oh, go ahead. I okay. digress. Okay. Like, like, let's pick out a good guitar solo that you can think of. A good guitar? Eruption? Okay. Who's a buy? Eddie Van Halen. Okay. Eddie Van Halen probably played that same solo every time, didn't he? He played probably. it, practiced it over and over and over and over. Over and over and over. Right. And now you compare that to Frank Zappa, who went out on stage and improvised everything that he ever did with a guitar when he was on stage. That I think that is the difference between like a West Coast offense that Bill Callahan ran years ago and what we see from the new NFL offenses is when you go out and you run like a, a zone read with an RPO, all of it is fluid motion reacting to what the defense is doing on this fly. And, you know, the defense is largely about we're going to play this type of defense, but it's largely going to be about matchups. In other words, how can we scheme a matchup between our fastest receiver and your shittiest cornerback? And apparently, apparently, apparently the Green Bay Packers know how to do this really well when they're playing the Dallas Cowboys because that was the most fabulous game I've watched in a long time. I'll tell you what, I, John, I am not a Packers fan. I mean, I don't dislike the Packers. I don't ever cheer against the Packers. But I was the Packers' number one fan in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I mean, holy moly, I was just eating that up. And every time they they shoot that shot up there of Jerry Jones, you know, you could just see him just spitting nails. I mean, he was livid. And the best part about that game was when somebody, you weren't watching Twitter probably, but somebody put something out on Twitter of Stephen A. Smith. And it was the smuggest <laughs> little look that Steve, oh, God, that was that. funny. I saw that. Oh, that was just <sighs> hilarious. 
It was uh, it was such a bad game. My rotten son insisted we turn it off and we watched hockey for a while. And I was like, "Come on, this is a fabulous game. I mean, this is the greatest game ever." And he was like, "No, this is both him and my wife are like, this is terrible to watch." And I'm like, "No, it isn't. It's <laughs> I, I tell you it what, was I, wonderful. It was one of the best weekends of professional. Now, last year, this same weekend in the NFL was really exciting too. I just couldn't believe how dominating some of those victories were. I mean, you're right, John. I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch. Now, here's an NFL question that I'm going to pop up here from Nick Breyer. He says, thoughts on Jason Kelsey retiring? You know, the guy's played 13 years. And, you know, um, I'm not sure that he has anything else left to prove. But, um, boy, he's been, you know, people that know a lot more about it than I do proclaim that he's maybe one of the best all-around centers that's ever played the game. Um you know, and Cam Jurgens probably is the heir apparent, right? And uh, may slide into that position, from what I understand. So um, that's good because Cam forgot a couple of times on uh, the, the, in the game yesterday that he wasn't a tight end anymore, hadn't played tight end since he was in high school, but yet he's running downfield thinking he's going to catch passes or something. Um, so Philadelphia just that game was shocking. Oh, uh, they they played like violent. crap down the stretch, but yeah, too bad. And um, then the the uh, well, you know what? It was fun watching the Bills and the whole game where they you know canceled it or they moved it, and then it was still just so much snow and everything. And I don't know the you know you know that's the thing. I think like I said, they think the NFL is much more exciting than it's been you know than I can remember. The quarterbacks are certainly much more. Uh, they're much more dynamic. They, you know, I, there are so many yeah. running quarterbacks. Uh, you literally can look at them calling a zone read in a, in an NFL game, and you couldn't have said that ten years ago. And that's no, largely because of the spread evolution in college. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a more enjoyable game to watch than it has yeah. been for years. Let's head back to to Nebraska football here a little bit. Okay. David's going to bring us make. David's going to make us put our feet back on the ground here a little bit. What expectations should we have of the offensive line this year? John, I was mistaken. Since uh, we last had a show, we did pick up an offensive lineman uh, through the portal um, from Florida, a big old guy, um, one year of eligibility left. <laughs> my, my comment to that, David, and I'll be very brief and let John talk. He pays more attention to the line than I do, is I would expect that the offensive line will, will show significant improvement next year. And I'm going to I'm going to use the same reason, rationale that I have in the past. The vast majority of those players have one more year of experience under their belt. Yeah. Next year, for the first time in quite a few years, <clears throat> the the offensive line is going to be juniors and seniors or yeah. fourth and fifth year players. Fourth and fifth yeah. year players, maybe a sixth year player in there too. Um so I I have to believe that it should be it should be a strength. It should be a, a, a position group of strength next year for Nebraska. John, what what do you think? Well, you covered that pretty well. I mean, we brought in some guys. We brought in some guys that should be able to contribute. That's going to give us more depth. We have another year of the same coach, and that that you know, in the same coaching staff. And there's that continuity that you need, I think, to get it get a an offensive line that's going to be good. I mean, put it this way. The first, the year, two years ago, Bryce Benhart was one of the laughing stocks of the nation as a tackle. 
in this last year, I believe he was all Big Ten honorable mention, right? Yeah. Okay. Then you, you're yeah. looking at Bryce Bennett. If he can make that leap in one year, imagine what he can do with two with another like confidence building and being able to learn stuff and get better with a coaching staff that isn't so completely fucking dysfunctional that they don't know which way is up. I, I think that, you know, again, we brought in players. We had some young guys that showed up last year. We're going to have some young guys. Uh, what's the phrase? Get old and stay old. And I think that's yeah. the that's what you're going to want to see from the offensive line going forward. Well, we are going to have seniors, and and I think they'll be vastly improved. You know, you saw improvement Don, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year last year. Don Dre's okay. comment falls along with that as well. What made Nebraska great was when uh, w- when we had coaches who were best at developing players, and um, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. And you can't. It, it, you don't develop players in a year or, or even two. Um, let's play a little game here, John. Uh, David Matty put this up here again. Uh, which of these teams is most hated in order? Who, who, who's of those three? Who are your most hated, John, in order? Oh, I w- Iowa. I would go with Iowa just because, you know, we play them every year, and it's a big game every year. And then who? Uh, uh, Texas. <laughs> yeah. If I had yeah, to pick I, out of those, I mean, you know, I uh, Michigan. I don't. I don't hate Michigan. I don't really, you know. I I think they're kind of weird. The whole the how how bizarrely they did this us against everybody, and then Ohio State got involved. Okay. That whole thing got so weird this year. I mean, it's like we're in the SEC or something, you know. But it was fun to watch from the outside. Uh, Colorado, I just, you know what I hate? I hate, I don't have to live down there anymore. I don't have to put up with people from Colorado because they don't come to Minnesota. It's too fucking cold. But Colorado, they, they're always so smug. You know, that's the <laughs> thing with Coloradans. They're just like, yeah, we're Colorado. You're not even Coloradans. You're trust fund babies from California or something. Uh, so I would, if I had to pick I, on I that list, it'd be Iowa, Colorado, Michigan. And I echo that. Same thing for me. Same order. You know, Michigan is just a bunch of cheaters. And, you know, I hate cheaters, but I don't hate them as much as Iowa. Okay, Linda goes with, you'd think with a 53% pay increase for the offensive line, the coaching should be better. Well, yes, you do. But, I mean, let's face it, uh, that would be assuming that you didn't give your all. I don't know. I'm not going to go into this. They have shit tons of money and they don't know what to do with it, which is why I should go apply to be off the Iowa's offensive coordinator. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll throw that. Linda Wilkins says it's money ball and football. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. It's, it's where we are. You know, okay. Here's the thing. I started this hardcore college football history channel. And because of that, I've been doing a lot of research and I've been doing a lot of reading. And, uh, you know, so I haven't been paying attention to exactly as many, uh, like what's going on with the Nebraska this week. I was going to go, Hey, we need to start putting position groups together. And I noticed that the Husker, the roster at Huskers.com hasn't been updated. So, you know, the new people haven't been put on there yet. They probably won't be until people start showing up in class. But I one of the subjects I will probably do about history 
is uh, how much money there was involved in, in college football years ago. And why did amateur, why do we ever, why, why all the way back to 1890, 1900, why did we think that college football players had to be amateurs? Why did, why has this ever been a thing? Come on. What do you think? It was, well, to some extent, a lot of the old athletics was considered to be quote unquote, a gentleman's, uh, activity, uh, primarily football changed, you know, probably around the turn of the century. You're, you're more into this than I am, but, um, from the elites, you know, the wealthy, um, it would have been, you know, accepting, it would, it would accepting money for playing, you know, for play, for entertainment, you know, that would have been, you know, a derogatory type of a mentality back in the day when they started. That is, that's it. It literally is a class system. They wanted, they thought that if you went to college, you were, you know, enriching yourself and you were becoming educated and you shouldn't accept money for playing sports. And the primary reason for that was because they wanted amateurs and college athletics to separate itself from things like prize fighting. You know, that vulgarity that was prize fighting that a hundred years ago, was a massive, enormous sport. So that's really where it all started. And I just I just think that it's weird that, you know, you can go through all the laws and legal regulations and the NCAA and stuff like that and how this has all been goofy. But I just think it's bizarre that we're, we have disdain toward massive billions of dollars coming into sports and not sharing it with the people that are doing the labor on it because it's certainly gotten to the point that uh, – you know, this is a full-time job anymore. <clears throat> Linda pops up and says, then give it back to the students. Um, Linda, I wish it could, but, uh, you know, they're so far down the road. And where where I see this and where I had a lot of enjoyment for four years uh, watching my daughter play was at the Division three level. Um, money has not corrupted athletics at the, the Division three level. And they are students first, you know, their, their demands are not anywhere close to what the demands are um, at the division one level. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, is that division one athletics uh, has, has been a professional uh, business like um, league, if you will, uh, for the last 50 years. Um, maybe not that long, last 30 years, perhaps. Um, but, you know, something that just popped into my mind now I'll throw out there is I just saw that um, one of the old, uh, um, well, the Hilgenberg family, uh, wasn't it Wally Hilgenberg or Jerry Hilgenberg? Jerry Hilgenberg uh, was 92 years old and, and uh, died oh, right. this, yes. this weekend. And that got me to thinking. I um, I had the opportunity to to meet a guy who played in three Super Bowls. Uh, he lived in Fayette, Iowa, um, and uh, he played in in two or he played in two for the Vikings and one for the Raiders. Uh, Mike Eishide is his name. He was a punter, um, but he played uh, for Minnesota back in the days of 
Alan Page and Carl Eller and Jim Marshall and Wally Hilgenberg and a lot of the old, those old guys. And, you know, so that was when I was a kid growing up. And those guys had jobs in the off season. I mean, to, to be able to raise a family, they did not generate enough income being a professional football player right. to raise a family. And, you know, so that was in the 1970s. So things have changed a lot where entertainment, sport, it's, 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 yeah, it's just changed dramatically. Okay. At the end of the college level. Highlander Gun says, what's the dog's name, John? The dog's name is Esther, and she doesn't care that we're doing a show. And I I have to excuse my minute. So get to get take care of something. So you're in charge, well, Todd. Yeah. Fred says, and, and a couple other people have asked this, thinking Dana Holgerson's a no-go now that we have Thomas coming here. I, I would say that's probably the case. Um, you know, uh, who knows what kind of conversations – Matt Rule was having with uh, Dana Holgerson and, and, you know, maybe there was some uncertainty about Glenn Thomas. I mean, it all, you know, Glenn Thomas's name had come up, um, you know, Glenn Thomas's name has been out there for quite a while, uh, but obviously nothing was going to happen until the Steelers finished their season. So, you know, maybe, maybe there was some uncertainty whether or not he'd come, um, maybe Dana Holgerson comes on board as uh, as an analyst of some type. You well, know, he maybe needs something. If he if he's he, going to get another job, he needs to have something. To he do needs to steer. right. And hey, yeah. Nick Saban has retired, so the Nick Saban Rehabilitation Center uh, is shut down. Somebody needs to take it on. Somebody needs to to, to pick. And I up. I think that I I said this in Slack this a few days ago is I think we should get used to the idea that Nebraska's coaching staff is going to revolve or evolve, like not a revolving door like the every year, but we're going to see coaches come and go a lot more. And I think that if you're looking at, we want to be a development program, well, why wouldn't that be coaches too? I mean, good leaders attract people to themselves and they go out and fill the world with good, they, you know what I mean? They prosper. That doesn't mean that they just collect people and keep them here. I think we live in a much more dynamic environment and dynamic society than we did under Tom Osborne and, 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 you know, all the coaches that stayed with him for all the years that they did. It's a different world now. So I wouldn't mind seeing that, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, put it this way. If you got people coming in, it means probably because they want to be there and hopefully your coaches are moving up. That's what happened with Saban's coaching tree, you know, make this sport better. Okay, I have to check on that. Here's a, I like this one. Vince Watson says, now fans must work two jobs to be able to afford a ticket. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Um, I'll be honest. I I don't know how much longer um, – I don't know how much longer I'm going to spend money to go watch events uh, with the price of tickets. Um, you know, I, I spent the most I ever – paid for, you know, tickets to go watch uh, the Nebraska Minnesota game last year. Um, you know, I was, I was looking um, because the world cup is coming to the United States uh, in, in a few years, the world cups coming here next year. Um, the U S hosts the Copa America tournament, which 
basically are the national teams from North America, Central and South America playing in a tournament. And so they're hosting that in the U.S. And I thought, wow, they're playing some games in Kansas City. That's not far. Maybe maybe I'll get tickets. I went in to look at tickets and the cheapest ticket, the cheapest ticket I could get right now was over a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars to go watch a soccer game. I I can't do that. I can't I cannot do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, here's here you go. Well, you know, I've, I've brought this up quite a few times. You MK, have to read it. You have to read it. Yeah. MK says, Todd, if the top tier teams broke away from the NCAA, would you want Nebraska to be part of that or stay behind and, and remain more amateur? Um, I, I, this is a dumb statement. Obviously, it doesn't matter what I'd want. I, I believe I believe that Trev Alberts is positioning Nebraska to do that. Yeah. I I think that for all intents and purposes, because of Nebraska's brand recognition, right? Because of the fan support, um, I think Nebraska finds its way into the top tier. Um, can they win at that level? I don't know. Um, I hope so, but um, I think I think Nebraska goes where the money goes. I. The other thing I would like to say is. I really would like to see this happen. I would like, to, but I guess a bigger picture, I would like to see football totally separated from the rest of college athletics. And if they want to have coast-to-coast games in college football, fine. They play 12 games a year. You're going to travel six, maybe. Let's have some sanity for all of the rest of the sports and play on a regional basis. It is insane that next year, Oregon is going to go play volleyball at Rutgers. Right. That is insane. And, and, you know, you, you want to ask whatever happened to the student, the student athlete. Well, there's no student in that equation. Not at all. So I let's take football out, go back to the regional conferences, play on a regional basis and, and have your tournaments like tournaments should be run and let football go do whatever the hell football is going to do. Well, I don't know if it's going to come to that. James Bordenman says, do you think Nebraska fans would be happy if they weren't sitting at the adult table? No, they wouldn't. I agree with James. You yeah. know, we want to be part of that conversation because by, if you're not, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to be the best, go to compete with the best. I don't, I don't see the point of staying out of it. Uh, that's not the one. I, yeah. Fred Sacco says, I like the Chip Kelly concept as well. Just like Todd's outlining football does its thing. All the other sports do their thing. I, I, I think, that would be where sanity comes into play. Linda says maybe some of those girls have never been to New Jersey. Yeah. Um, why? Otherwise, why would go. people go there? It's like a foreign exchange program, Todd. Come on. <laughs> They're expanding horizons of all of these people and all these young. That's what happened to me in college. Being in college expanded my horizons a great deal. 
And now the Big Ten Conference offers that opportunity to all the 22 sports that everybody has. Husker for Life says, I wish we would run the playoff like the FCS does. Yes, 100% agree with that. 32-team playoff, there's no reason they couldn't do that. Or 16. Okay. The last no video reason. I released on my History Channel thing was about the first Rose Bowl. And it wasn't called the first Rose Bowl. But here's the thing. Was in it 1890, called the second Rose Bowl? No, it wasn't called the it wasn't called the Rose Bowl. It was called the East West Tournament Game. But in 1890, the Pasadena Valley Hunt Club Hunt Club decided that they'd have a big festivity, and they did. And they had uh, horse races, and, and they had chariot. No, they had chariot races later on, but they just had foot races. It was just a big festival thing, and they decided to keep doing it. And it took them 12 years to play football. And then when they did, Michigan came out and slaughtered Stanford so bad that they didn't do it again until 1916. But here's the thing about that. They played on New Year's Day because that's when the Hunt Club scheduled their festivity. And number two, the Rose Bowl and Pasadena, or Pasadenans started putting out movies that people saw across the nation. And when people in cold weather areas saw that they were sitting in January – and here in January, they had all these roses blossoming in California. They all wanted to go see it, even if it took like a week to get there, four days or whatever it was on a train. Our entire college football postseason is based on the fact that a Pasadena Valley Hunt Club, I almost said it really wrong, Hunt Club decided to have a festivity on New Year's Day and start the bull system. And that's never changed since. And it's always been goofy. So... You know, that's the, one of the reasons why I'm doing the history things. Is You know, but also, who can argue? Who can argue with the sun setting on those mountains <laughs> and Keith Jackson? Well, yeah, that's true. Welcoming everyone to Pasadena and the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. Well, you know, in 2024, it's going to be a different year. Uh, we're, we're coming to the end of this show. We made it through another one. <laughs> yeah. And you know what we are, Todd? We know cold. what we are? Cold. What? Oh, cold. we're cold. Cold. <laughs> cold and old? We're old. Old. Okay, we're old. I can't hear worth his shit, I guess. Uh, huh? You know what we are? Todd, do you know what we are? What are we? We're closer to baseball season. We are. And softball season. And apparently somebody this week, D1 softball ranked Nebraska 15th. So Another one ranked you know, in think, 13th. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a fun season for – I think that 2024 is going to be – an exceptional year for Nebraska athletics across the board. I think that, you know, it, it's going to be exciting to see what happens with men's basketball, but that really could set a tone for maybe the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, two years ago was probably the worst that Nebraska's ever, the worst year that Nebraska's ever had across their athletic department. And I think two years, right, probably largely to the leadership of uh, Trev Alberts. What comment are you laughing at now? Aaron Yeah, shit. Aaron Keene. Uh, old to old, old John. What? 
Okay, that's we're gonna end there, you sons of bitches. Vince <laughs> <sighs> Watson says, "Cold when is John taking his dip for the year?" Uh, it's January twenty seventh. I'm gonna post this link again. Here's my donation link. I am raising money for the Minnesota Special Olympics. Uh, my goal, my goal on the thing, it'll say five hundred dollars. My real goal is to just beat everybody else on my team, so I can rub <laughs> it in their faces. Uh, there you go. I think we're done for tonight. And uh, I don't know what else to say. Well, it's been a pleasure seeing you once again, John. Yeah, you too. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're feeling better. So am I. I. I I do not I do not like those phone calls when I ask how you're doing and your response is not worth a shit. <laughs> well, you know, I went in Friday morning, I had my Botox treatment. It's 31 shots in my head and, and shoulders. And you know what the worst part of that was? Head and shoulders, knees and toes, <laughs> knees and toes. They're, when they stick a needle into your head, it crunches like you stepped on a big bug. But the worst part of it is you can't you can't touch your forehead at all. Otherwise, your eyes will droop because it is a Botox treatment, just like the big stars get kind of not really. But the lady, you know, she always tells me, you no matter what, don't touch your forehead for the next six hours. So I got in the car. My son drove me because my headaches were so bad. I got in the car. And the first thing that starts happening is my entire forehead just explodes and itching. So I'm like, Ugh! and it was great. Okay. Anyway, there you go. That was my hell on Friday morning. Uh, well, Fred Sacco, one last shot at us. Uh, Todd and J Todd, John and Todd spokesman for Miracle Ear. Yeah. It was yeah. all the punk. You know, I went to a Clash concert years ago and it was the loudest freaking concert I ever went to in my life. And it's so bad that my ears hurt and my head hurt when I walked out of that. But I saw the clash. So there you go. Okay, you that's go. it. Good night, Todd. Good night, John. <laughs>